1: And shop for anything outdoors when you make a purchase from the go wild store everything is free shipping anything that you purchase anywhere in the country no matter how big free shipping so go down to the show notes click on the go wild link at the bottom and get signed up today and let's go wild if y'all purchase anything from go wild make sure that you're using the Houndsman XP promo code. And that code is going to be HXP10. So when you go in there and you download your cart, and you come up to the the bottom and it says promo code, add Houndsman XP to it. We are going to do a little bit of crossing over. Um, While we was at the SHOT Show, I was uh, very fortunate to meet a a fine feller we sit and talk for a long time and come to find out we have a lot of commonalities that we have in common together um he runs a podcast i run we run a podcast and we got to talking and you know it's so um unique that like we have all these things in common and we're just using a different uh, same platform but uh different outlet to reach people, to talk to people, to learn from people. So while we were at the SHOT Show, I was at the um, Baguera CVA booth, was talking to them, and was introduced to Pete Rogers. And got to talking to Pete. Pete's from South Carolina. And got to talking about hunting, because that's what drives us all, whatever form or fashion it may be. Um, And come to find out Pete had a podcast, which is called The Christian Outdoors. And we got to talking and we decided that we were going to support each other, which we do anyway. And so Pete had me on his podcast and I wanted him on our podcast for several reasons. Um, And we'll talk to the talk about those throughout the next hour. But Pete, how's everything in South Carolina this morning?
0: And it's going very well, buddy. It really is, Heath. Uh, can't complain at all, and if I did, nobody would listen. So I just uh, enjoy every day the best I can. <laughs> that
1: sounds like my life. I could complain <laughs> and nobody catches on. And we did. Nobody cares. <laughs> that's right. And we did um, get together at the Great American Outdoor Show. That's right. Um, you sure were up did. working with CVA, and uh, I had to talk myself. I, I mean, I wanted to buy so much stuff while I was up there, and I'm like, dude, you're broke. Like. You're broke. Just don't do it.
0: <laughs> so you know, and and when you work the booth, as you probably know, you don't have a chance to walk the aisles. No. But but uh, when I was walking in every day, I would, you know, because we had to be there like an hour early to get. I, I would do a little quick in our in our area, and daggum if I still didn't end up spending about two hundred and fifty dollars just on those little <laughs> on those little trips <laughs> just around my my immediate area. Yeah. So I'm going on a rant before we get started. Okay.
1: So. Of course, I've been traveling quite a bit since the first of the year, um, driving a whole lot. So I drove up to Pennsylvania. I was in Richmond this week. What in the world is wrong with people driving in the left lane, 10 miles under the posted speed limit? Like they don't have a care in the world. I'm like,
0: I got nothing on that, man.
1: Dude, (laughs) you have got to get over. The left lane is a passing lane only. It's not to joyride on Sunday while you're looking at the scenery. And when or you're your on phone. the inter- huh?
0: Or your phone while you're driving down the road.
1: Too. Well, most of them are 10 and 2. They got those hands locked in, <laughs> they are focused forward. And I mean, they are just putting along. And I mean, I got places to be, things to, to do, people to talk to. Like, I can't be hindered, <laughs> if that's the word, yeah. by taking another hour and a half to get to my final destination. I'm like, Viper 6 is in your airspace. We need to move. Like, <laughs> move it. Move over. We got to go. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, I mean, coming back from Pennsylvania, going up wasn't bad. I left really early. Um, the traffic was light to medium. It got a little heavy once I, you know, started getting into Harrisburg. But it wasn't bad. But, you know, coming home from Richmond the other night at 10 o'clock at night, and there, there was a – there was these two tractor trailers racing up a hill at 40 miles an hour. And there was a line of, I think I counted 21 cars behind the left lane. And guys, you know, mad respect for you guys hauling stuff all over the country, but I just don't get it. Like, I just don't get it. Like, you know, you can't pass that truck. Or if you're a car, you know that you're not doing the speed limit or under the speed limit. Just get over. That's it. Just get over. You're not in a hurry, obviously. So, why would you need to pass somebody?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, that's my rant for the day. Like, I was fit to be tied. Um,
0: I but have to fam- there,
1: but, but you got home safe. I did. Yeah. Very slowly. I got home, I got I got home safe. very safe and slowly. Well, somebody's
0: <laughs> got to be the caboose, man. Somebody has to be the caboose.
1: Oh, right? man. Yeah. They, um, I just don't get it. I don't know the thought process and I probably get wound up too tight sometimes. Probably well, little... I did
0: hear, Heath, I did hear one guy say who was a left lane driver, and I tend to be a left lane driver, but I don't drive below the speed limit, and I'm not for any police officers out there. I don't want them to tell me that I'm a, <laughs> I'm a speed demon. All right, but uh, he said he drives the left lane because the right lane is more bumpy than the left lane. Left lane smoother. <laughs>
1: Well, in some more cases. More people
0: he, riding. And in a lot of cases, I, I thought, well, that's that makes sense. You know, the mm-hmm. right lane is because that's where most people are supposed to drive. It is a little bit more worn out. Left lane smoother, so he rides in the left lane.
1: Yeah. I. It does make sense, and in some circumstances, I know that's probably a, a fact because the right lane does get traveled more, but
0: come but if on. You see people coming up behind you, move over.
1: Yeah, that's it. That's what let the view mirrors are for. Let
0: them by, and then if you want to cruise in left lane laws, nobody's behind <clears> you, just cruise over there.
1: That's right. All right, enough on my rant for this morning. Um, I just had to let that out. I could feel the frustrating uh, – I was getting frustrated. I needed to let that out. So yeah, I'm good now.
0: We're good. All right.
1: Good. Pete, well, tell uh, tell the listeners, um, like I said, you and I have talked several times and been around each other a little bit now, Uh T- t- tell us about you, tell us about your your writing, your podcast um what you do. then we'll get into the hunting part,
0: okay, all right, well, first of all, he thank you for having me on the show. I'm really honored to to be a guest on your show and and I hope your ratings don't tank after this <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh man a I'm, lot of people...
1: I'm paying them to download now. What do you say <laughs>
0: <laughs> <I, I, laughs> that's funny. Um, and a lot of people, when I go speak at events and stuff, Heath, one of the main questions I get is how'd you get into outdoor writing? How did you get into it? Because it's, uh, um, a lot of people are fascinated by writing for hunting and fishing magazines and, and, uh, you know, as you said, I've been doing that since 1998, 99, somewhere there, I sold my first story and, and I was in my forties when I did that, uh, or late thirties rather. I was in my late thirties. So I didn't like come out of school with the desire to be an outdoor writer. Uh, what the way it came about was, I, I was um, I've always written. And the reason I've written is because uh, I'm going to back up a little bit, we'll jump around a little bit and then, and then come to it. But real briefly is uh, growing up, I had a severe speech impediment, like severe. Uh, I could not speak out loud at all. And uh, some people call it a stutter or a stammer. But it was it was very debilitating and uh, a lot of bullying, a lot of picking and teasing on, you know, because uh, here's Pete who can't, you know, who can't speak. And it was it was when I, when I tell that to people, they're like, well, what do you mean? I know people that stutter. I was like, yeah, I do, too. But I haven't found anyone who stuttered as badly as I did because I literally could barely speak. I could not read out loud. I could read, but I couldn't read out loud at all. Um, and I went to a lot of speech therapists. It was so bad, Heath. When I played football in high school, I was quarterback, but I couldn't call the plays in the huddle because I couldn't speak. And, you know, if, if you played football in high school or, or anybody who's listening did, you you realize that on the field, the game is a lot faster than it looks like in the stands. Right? The clock's ticking. You just got finished with the play. You run back to the huddle. You got to call the next play and then, and then go. But I couldn't call the plays, so the coach would send in um, a player every down, and he would call the play in the huddle for me so that we didn't get to lay a game because Pete's trying to get out 42 dive on left, and it takes a minute and a half to get that to happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, so because of that, I expressed myself by writing from as long as I can remember. Um, I've even found old old books that I or notebooks that I've written in stuff when I was trying to express myself because I couldn't speak. Went through a lot of therapists, obviously, because here I am now, But um, and one identified what my main problems were, and I won't bore the listeners with that, but we was in some techniques that she taught me, enabled me to be able to um, handle it so that most people won't even notice it unless I point it out. And it's, uh, it's just some tricks and tactics and techniques. If anybody is out there, struggles with it, then uh, I'd be glad to, to talk with them about it and tell you what I do to see if it works for you. Uh, one thing I have learned, though, is what works for me may not work for you if you have a speech speech issue as well. But anyway, so I've I've always written. So I had just gotten back from a, a moose hunting trip in Alaska, and I wrote a story about the trip, and I sent it to the buddies that I went with, Heath, and uh, they were, you know, very complimentary and very nice. But one of them who's one of my dearest friends i ever had in my whole life, he's passed away now. His name's Walter. Uh, he was 25 years my senior, and he's like pete this is really good you really ought to consider getting this stuff published send me some more of your stuff so i sent him some more of my stories and he was again he just he just a an old welder from portland oregon and um so it's not like he was an editor or in the writing business but he was just very supportive and i was like well you know i always had approached Heath said if uh, you get a yes and figure out the rest right so yeah. uh if somebody else can do it i might can too so, why not, why not try? Um, there's a few things I wouldn't do that with, like flying an airplane right now. or, <laughs> or, or <laughs> Just because they can doesn't mean I want to try, right? <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. Uh, but so, anyway, so I started sending in stories. This is way back in the dark ages when we actually had this, this envelope for the, for the generation, whatever letter we're on now, who don't know what envelopes are, but we'd <laughs> write the story, fold it, put an envelope, put a stamp on it, mail it, wait six weeks for a note. Um, do that over and over and over again. I don't know whether I'm bullheaded or persistent, but I finally got a yes and uh, sold my first story to the Rough Grouse Society, of all people. All right. uh, it was a story on hunting woodcock, and the, and the Rough Grouse Society bought it. It was called Hooked by Happenstance. I'll never forget the the title of it. It worked really well. And they they actually paid me $400, and I was like, oh, my gosh. That's so cool! I got paid for that. That was just awesome, and it was a year and a half where I sold another one. But I was starting to learn how the process works, and so as time has gone on, now here it is, twenty-four years later, (laughs) I've been fortunate enough to be published in some of the biggest magazines in the country, the NRA publications, uh, North American Rifleman, American Hunter, those Bow Hunting World. A lot of the regional magazines, the Sportsman's Magazines, Carolina Sportsman, South Carolina Game and Fish, back when Game and Fish was in the States, I did multiple states of Game and Fish publications. Fur Fishing Game is one of my favorites because I'm a trapper by trade, and so I get to write trapping (laughs) stories for them. Um, But uh, I do, at my peak, I was doing about 140 stories a year. Nice. Um, I've I've backed off of that because of the podcast that we'll get to in a little bit. Um, I've also been able to publish six books five on the outdoors and one Christian book that we'll get to later and um, two of them have one outdoor book of the year my first one called times well spent which is being redone now and hopes to come out later this year um, in 2012 it was outdoor book of the year and in 2019 the southeastern outdoor press association named my turkey hunting book called so you want to hunt turkeys as the 2019 outdoor book of the year so that was a big honor um i'm a member of many different writing organizations have have won over 60 something awards in writing and photography and you know very humbled by that that your peers recognize you and say hey you know this guy can, can form words in a way but i got great editors dude that's really what it's about i got great editors that make me look good um, and i'm uh, i'm very thankful for them and i make sure that they know that um lisa greenway a girl from my Sunday school class I said, "Girl, she's a lady from my Sunday school class. Uh, has been editing my stuff for years. I get it. I, I get at least a five before I send it in to the magazine editors, so that it's grammatically perfect." And she's done all my books for me. And uh, but yeah, that's how I got in the outdoor writing world. And uh, it's funny though, when you become an outdoor writer. Like for me, I love to fish. I love to hunt. I love to trap. But editors kind of put you in a cubby and say, all right, Pete's the archery guy, or Pete's the handgun hunting guy, or Pete's the turkey guy. And I think, well, I really like, I really enjoy saltwater fishing and striper fishing probably more than any of that, but I don't get any stories on those because they have me plugged as, the, as uh, the guy who writes about the hunting, but I love hunting. Uh, I've been fortunate to hunt 17 different states. Um, I always go unguided on public land, do a, a DIY, kind of thing Heath. Uh, do it myself figure out what i haven't chased yet and i want to go figure out how to chase it and uh that, and so that's what i do so that's a real brief uh, actually it probably wasn't very brief at all it was about wow. eight or nine minutes
1: speaking uh, of which i am so disappointed that i'm not at the the national turkey wild turkey federation this weekend in nashville like i'm too. watching it being posted all over the place and i'm like yeah. i just don't have time i I couldn't get to, I could not get out there to this one. And that's well, something I
0: wanted to go to. The turkey show is one of the best shows in the country. It is. But it always falls on my wife's birthday weekend. My wife's birthday was yesterday. And I was like, honey, do you want to go to Nashville for your birthday? She's <laughs> like, no, I don't care anything at all about turkeys. She, she's a great woman. But she doesn't care anything at all about the outdoors. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Not at all. So we're polar opposites in that regard. I, I even booked a hotel room and said we can go have you know just a weekend together. And just I need to go to the show for a few hours every day. So now, here I am. Yeah,
1: and another thing that's so funny that, um, and you talk about your love for striper fishing and what was the other? Saltwater fish. Saltwater, like you know, dogs are my life, and Mm -hmm. you know that's what consumes. A lot of my time but i love to fish too i love to musky fish and everybody kind of knows that and i'm not good at it trust me man i catch if i catch uh six or eight in a year man i'm on i'm i'm on cloud nine yeah Uh, yeah but i bass fish and i love to trout fish um I love
0: to I've fish. I've never caught a. I've never caught a muskie. I've been to Canada a few times fishing <laughs> for northern pike and walleye, and love that experience. Uh-huh. I mean that. You know they fly you in and yep. drop you off on this remote lake, and you got the whole lake to yourself. A week. Mm-hmm. That is a phenomenal experience if you get to do that. And I got addicted to northern pike. Oh yeah. So aggressive. Yep. and So they're not difficult to catch, and I I like stupid fish and stupid turkeys. You know yeah. I'll tell anybody in the world I love killing stupid turkeys because. Uh, it's hard to kill a a, it's even hard to kill a stupid one yeah but it's really hard to kill a grown one yeah um yeah i i I enjoy everything i really do
1: yeah and that you know i kind of that kind of like yeah i mean i don't know if a lot of people know that but like i i spend a lot of time on the water in it or on it i mean i'm i in the off season you know if i can get a couple hours sometimes i spend days but you got to mm-hmm. come on. I mean, come on up and let's go musky fishing.
0: I didn't know there were musky in Virginia.
1: New River is like one of the, um, like, it's a world-class fishery
0: for musky. It's a date. All right. We'll yeah. do that this summer. It's summertime? Is that when well, best or what Well,
1: yeah, so we. I don't like to fish for them after the water temperature gets above 78. Uh, it puts too much stress on them, so most of your diehard musky fishers will not, go target them after that water temperature but yeah may may and june is good they'll come out of the spawn um first of may we don't we don't target them during the spawn either, um, so we'll bass fish then. But that's yeah. still turkey season. So that's I right. Yeah, that's,
0: so. As soon as turkey season's over, man, I'm back at it. Yeah, so. turkey season, dumb. I mean, I'm so addicted. And people ask me all the time, "What's your favorite thing on? And Before they finish their question, I, I, I'm screaming turkeys. Turkey. <laughs> I'm yeah. gobbling at them. That's yeah. what it is. It's all about yeah. the turkeys for me. I love chasing turkeys. Yeah, I do. I'm with you. That's
1: probably that was probably one of my earliest. Um, passions i I, now i bow hunted i was an avid bow hunter um and then when i got my dogs and started hunting i could not balance um hunting at night because i was competition coon hunting and running running the perina circuit at that time i could not I couldn't hunt all night and get up and bow hunt. So I'm a morning nice. hunter. I like to hunt in the morning better. I will hunt evenings, but don't get me wrong. Me but
0: me too, me too.
1: I'm a morning person, man. I like to see the sun come up, the world come alive. Um, that's just the best part of the day for me, and I like that. So it kind of clashed, and I kind of went away from the bow hunting. Um, but I always turkey hunted. Uh, I I've loved it since. since since I was a young, I mean, I can't tell you what age, but, and I probably went, yeah. I probably went five, six, seven years before I ever killed one of them stinking things, like in spring.
0: Now, They're fall. Tough. Yeah. yeah. Fall was different, but yeah, spring. We don't have fall season anymore here in South Carolina. I killed my first turkey in 78, 1978. You weren't even born yet. I'm yes,
1: sure. I was. Oh, uh, come on
0: now. Yeah. Come on now. I'm a 73
1: Barely. model, man. I'm
0: <laughs> okay. old. All right. All right. Well, I'm 10 years older than you, then. We're yeah. good. I'm a 63. But I killed my first one in 1978 in Edgefield, South Carolina, uh, public land, you know. And uh, Lynch's world champion double-sided box call, got it. Still have it. Paid got it. 14.95. Yep. It's paid 14.95 for I still have it. Still use it. People ask me all the time, "Why are you using that classic call?" I say, "Because it still kills turkeys." Yep. As long as it'll keep fooling them, I'm going to carry it. Now, if the day ever comes that it breaks, I'm literally going to weep. Yeah. I'm going to like. I mean, tears will because this has killed. I don't even know how many turkeys yeah. have been lured in by my Lynch's world champion double-sided box call. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm a friction call guy. Because of my speech impediment, Heath, my mouth is shaped in such a way that I can't hardly blow a diaphragm at mm, all. Interesting. So, um, you know, I'll do some throat, some natural voice stuff when they're close. Just mm-hmm. some, just a, you know, a cluck purr. or a purr real mm-hmm. quick, you know, when you're already yeah. on the gun and you can't. But uh, pot calls and, and box calls is, is is my go-to. Yeah. yeah,
1: all right. So let's flip over. What got your What got you started in your podcast? And you went from your writing, yeah. and then what brought you into the podcast world?
0: Okay. Well, and uh, I don't even remember what year it was, but I went to a POMA conference, the Professional Outdoor Media Association conference in Streetport, Louisiana, where I was uh, I was receiving an award. So I went I went there, and they had a <laughs> seminar on podcasts. And I was like, well, I got to kill some time. Let me step in. Here. I had no idea what they were. Mm-hmm. All right. No <clears throat> no clue. And, and they were doing a seminar on it, and I thought, wow, that sounds really intriguing, um, where you can just talk about whatever you want to talk about. So for people who don't know, a podcast, the way I describe it, Heath, is talk radio over the Internet. Yeah. Right? And, beca- and because of that, you don't have these FCC rules that you have to abide by. You don't have time slots. I've guest-hosted outdoor radio programs and been a guest on many of them and so forth. And you know, for anybody in radio, you got like a 12-minute window, then a commercial and you got an eight-minute window, then a commercial, and then another eight-minute window, and it's over for a 30-minute show. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but, but podcasts, as you know, you can talk about any subject for as long as you want to or for as brief as you want to. Yep. And being an ordained minister, I was like, man, I would love to talk about the things I'm most passionate about. I'm passionate about hunting and fishing, the outdoors, and I'm passionate about my relationship with Christ. Can I combine those into one show? So, being... A little bit type A personality. I researched this for over a year and a half. And I listened to, I'm going to say, hundreds and hundreds of podcasts on how to do a podcast. I researched equipment. I researched uh, the right microphones. This is my third set of microphones, by the way. I researched Uh sound equipment. This is my third set of sound equipment, you know. (laughs) Um, And... Uh, I mean, I researched content and how to do it and how to get guests, and I just had all this stuff down. And I said, well, one of the things that I read was if you're going to commit to it, the main thing that your customers or, or listeners want is consistency, good content on a regular basis. And as you know, some con- some podcasts are once a month, some are three times a month, some are four times a month. Some guys do it twice a week. They obviously don't have other jobs. Um, <laughs> And and there's a few guys who do daily shows. Now they're short; they're 15 yep. minutes, but still, as you know, the prep <laughs> time that goes into a show, a one-hour recording for Pete is about four hours of prep mm-hmm. and another two hours of editing later. Yep. Right. So that's six. That's seven hours per week. I have to. It was in the beginning. It was more because you get faster as you go. But I committed to in 2019, October 1st, 2019, I launched a Christian outdoors podcast. Um, we own ChristianOutdoors.org and most any other combination of that available, whatever it's called, everything but calm. Somebody owns that and they haven't, and they haven't operated it in 15 years um, and they don't want to sell it. So uh, we're ChristianOutdoors.org and our, our tagline is we talk about everything outdoors and how to enjoy God every day. And that last part is something I really want to talk about whenever we have a chance. But, yep. uh, so, so I do weekly shows every Monday, uh, a new episode comes out. I do 50 a year, allow myself a couple of breaks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just recorded yesterday, episode 169. Um, and we are found on every podcast platform out there that you can think of from, um, Apple Podcast, of course, and Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and now we're on Carbon TV as well on their podcast platform. So it looks like Heath, if if God continues to do what he's doing, and once all the numbers come in, sometime in March we're gonna hit a million subscribers. Nice.
1: Yeah. Very nice. And you
0: know what that's one thing
1: I've said on on our podcast a couple of times. Like I'm a learner. Like I wanna learn. I you know, I think knowledge is power. Um and I I sometimes I can't I can't get enough, you know, like I, I wanna know. Um and right. especially if it's something I'm interested in or passionate about, like I'm like you. I will sit down and listen to fifty podcasts about it to learn. And I've always said that a podcast is free learning. Yeah, free. well it's free. Said. Well said. Um you go on there. You can pick out what you like, the stuff that you want to know about, and I don't have to read, and I do read, I'm an avid reader, but I can, in my car at work, like, when people walk up to my car, if I'm sitting in a parking lot or something, my guys that I work with, are like, "Here, are to a podcast. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm 12 hours in my car, and yeah,
0: yeah.
1: it's nothing for me to listen to three or four, maybe five in a day, you know, yep. in between calls or Um, you know, I'll be sitting and I'll be approving reports or whatever. And I'm listening, like, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm taking that stuff in and it's just a free, it's a free platform to get any knowledge, information that you want or need on, on any subject. The journey on Houndsman XP has teamed up with one TDC, this dual action support for oral health and mobility in our dogs. This unique supplement is so effective that it is recommended by top veterinarian experts worldwide to maintain and improve our dog's health in four different areas. Their oral health, hips, joints, and muscles, skin, coat, energy, and recovery. Guys, I've been using this product for the last six months, and it has been a game changer for me. If you're looking for something to help with the overall health of your dog, Go to worksowell.com and give this product a try. It is highly recommended by Houndsman XP here on the journey.
0: It, 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 virtually any subject out yes. there, it really is. Yep. And and like you, I do a lot of traveling in my truck. Uh, and I used to, and I still do from time to time, listen to, um, uh, they used to be books on tape, but now they're digital, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, I can't think of what audio books. Now. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. And I have them. I couldn't even think of what it's called. Um, so, I, and I and I will if I'm doing a you know a thirty hour drive and I'm getting tired of podcasts, I'll throw in an audio book and listen to it. But mm-hmm. the, for for me, listening to podcasts makes the miles just fly by. It does. I mean, you're and you realize, golly, I've been listening to three three podcasts and I'm five hours down the road here, and yeah. it, and it didn't feel like it because you're so engaged into what you're listening to, and and I find that to be very um, beneficial and advantageous I do and I'm like you I mean I've I, I work for the USDA is my is my real job right I'm a I'm a trapper here in, in Greenville South Carolina for the USDA I'm in my truck by myself all the time so there's a podcast playing almost constantly yep um, not just mine I do listen to mine to see if I missed something in my editing but I'm listening to critique it I'm not listening or the knowledge or the entertaining. I'm like, God, I should have cut that out. Ooh, I should, you know, yeah. I missed or I that. I should have asked
1: but... this and I'm, <coughs> I, 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 yeah, I yeah, missed yeah. it. Yeah. I'm with you hundred yeah. yeah. percent.
0: But I listen to a lot of other guys as well. Um, but, and I listen to Christian podcasts and outdoor podcasts. That's pretty much the ones that, that, that I do that I listen to. Um, yeah, I, it's a, it's a great platform. It has enabled me to meet some wonderful people like yourself. Um, and it's enabled me to get to talk to people that I've known but never had a chance to talk to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, and I, I'm not going to name drop here. If you go look at all my episodes, you'll see some of the biggest names in the industry that I've been able to interview. Who I've known for years through being an outdoor writer. You just get exposed to it. You, know, you mm-hmm. get to go to SHOT Show. You get to go to <clears throat> ETA. You get to, and you're meeting all these people. And I've been doing it for 24 years now. So I know... <coughs> All the big names that you see on television, you know, I've had relationships with, but I never had a chance to just sit down and pick their brains about specific subjects. And that's one of the things I love the most about being the host of the podcast is picking the brains of my guests and saying, how would you do this? What do you think about that? You know, those type questions, so. Yeah, like when I had you on the show, I, like, I don't know a whole lot about dog hunting. Why don't you educate me and teach me about it? How do you train? How do you select your breeds? All those things to me are intriguing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're gonna hopefully yeah. we'll get you up and get you underneath one of those. Oh, no, I'd like to do that. I do.
0: I do. I want to do that. I just can't. I can't believe that you can teach standard poodles to run bears, though. That's just amazing. Hey, what I'm do?
1: working on a Chihuahua right now.
0: Are you really? Yeah, Are
1: you? it's gonna Not be like fast a, enough, don't it? It's gonna be like a mad hornet running around that bear. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you're talking about. Um, I, I Steve Harvey has a quote, um, and Steve Harvey says that networking will get you places that a degree never will. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm like you. Just this year, since January, the, the people that I've met, um, some relationships that, that I have been introduced to and started to form is um, humbling Yeah, for me. It is. You know, you, you, Like you said, you hear about these people, you read about them, you've read their stuff, you've watched them, and then all of a sudden you're standing there actually talking to them, and then you walk by them at another show or something, and they know your name. Yeah. And it's like, holy and cow. And you're a little
0: starstruck at first. Yeah. I mean, you are. At least I was in yeah. the beginning. I was just stood there like, oh, my gosh, there's Ralph and Vicki Sanzarillo. They're my favorite people. And I said, <laughs> and I am just I just sit there staring, just wide eyes, staring. Oh, my gosh, he's right there in front of me. Ah. Yeah. And uh, I can I tell this story real, Absolutely. Real quick? This about is them? about you. Yeah, because they're some of my favorite people. We've built a good relationship. The first time I met Ralph and Vicky at the ATA show, I'm literally standing there at the Hoyt booth. And I just, and my eyes are just big as saucers. And I'm just staring there. And I, I didn't even realize how long I'd been there. And finally Ralph turns and says, can I help you? <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, he's talking to me. <laughs> was, and, you know, I did the, I did the very corny, uh, hi Ralph, I'm Pete. I'm, you know, big fan, blah, blah, blah. He's like, well, thank you. Thank you. And, uh, and he, I could see he was saying, quit staring at me. <laughs> he didn't say that, but go I could away, feel that, Go away. <laughs> yeah. Go away. You, you freak, yeah. you know? <laughs> But uh, but we hit it off right off the bat and I, and I've been able been very blessed to hunt with them and to be on their television show and to build a good relationship they're They're some of my favorite people in the whole world and and I'm gonna toot, toot their horn real quick they are exactly in person as they look like on TV mm-hmm. they are there's nothing pretentious they're as real as as real Islam and I will always be their number one fan um they're just great great people, but as you said the first time you meet these people, you're just I was starstruck, and then you realize they're just regular folks, mm-hmm. for the most part. Yep, for the most part. And, there's and, a, there's always a few out there that that you're not sure about. And,
1: and I think being authentic. I think the authentic people that are real, there's no fake, no put on. Those are the one that people seem to draw to more, right? Because you can't be two. That's right. You can't That's be right. two. So right. yeah, no, yeah. I'm with you there. <laughs> be yourself and be yourself all the time. That's right. I mean, what you see is what you get and it's not much, but
0: here it is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure I'm going to uh, uh I don't think they've said it to my face, but uh when people finally come up and meet you, you know, and um it's like I I'm thinking I hope I I hope I didn't disappoint them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's that's what I'm thinking. When people <clears throat> I had a guy up in Uh, Harrisburg, it really caught me off guard. This doesn't happen a whole lot to me because I'm a podcaster, so my face isn't out there a whole lot. My voice is, but my Uh face isn't. And this gentleman walks up and says, are you Pete, the guy that hosts Christian Outdoors podcast? I'm like, yeah, (laughs) I I am. And anyway, and he started talking. It caught me so off guard, you know, that, again, my face isn't really out there. It's my Mm -hmm. voice that's out there, and – and that's one of the few times that that's happened. And, I, and when he left, I thought to myself, I hope I didn't disappoint him. And and left, and he left hoping his day was better or making his day better. I really, really want my listeners to, to benefit from everything that we're doing. That's why I do it, is to try to impact people in a positive way.
1: Yeah, and on those lines, I feel like he probably was just as happy for you acknowledging him, talking to him, and, and giving him a couple minutes of your time um, yeah. and I I think that's something that you and I both will have in common is each listener is important to us, you know, absolutely. like the three that I have, you know, I'm paying them and anybody else that
0: <laughs> wants to jump on board, I mean, Am I'm going to be on the payroll in the future. <laughs> I, I need, I'll send you an invoice.
1: You working for pennies, working for pennies. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, they're, they're important and, you know, I don't think nothing
0: about giving them, my time. Not you know, that's, that's
1: the only thing I can give them is
0: my time. Not Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's something that I, I wish I could remember who told me this years ago, but it was an elder gentleman, you know, offering advice. He <laughs> said, well, wherever you are, be there fully. Yep. And uh, I thought when, if somebody comes up to me and wants to talk to me, I'm, I'll need to give them my 100% undivided attention. I'm not gonna be looking. I'm not gonna be one of those who looks somewhere else and talks to you, or or on my phone while you're talking to me. If you want to talk to Pete, I'm gonna give you my undivided attention for as long as you want to stand there and talk. Cause uh, I learned this in ministry, and I've learned it in in my outdoor career as well. Is that a lot of times when people approach you and start a conversation, that's not what they want to talk about. Mm-hmm. They're just breaking the ice and getting comfortable. And if you can make them comfortable, then they can share what they really want to talk about. And um, I want to be able to do that for as long as it takes. If they need to stand there and talk for forty five minutes, I'll stand there and talk to them forty five minutes. If they just want to shake my hand and get a picture. We'll do that too. Yeah, you know, whatever it is that 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 individual wants, they got my undivided attention the whole time. Yeah, and that's why when I go, Heath, when I go speak at events, you know, I do a lot of wild game banquets and sportsmen's banquets and men's conferences and things like that. I make sure I'm there at least a couple hours early. Um in case people want to talk or you know, ask questions and I stay as long afterwards until they lock the doors, just in case people want to talk about things and ask questions. I think being available is important.
1: Yes. So that segues into, you know, the next thing I want to talk to like you and I like I really wanted to bring you on for this is um you know, you're you pastor at different churches, um, you travel, you speak at different groups um and you and i had kind of to touch base with this up in Pennsylvania um about leadership and mentorship and um growing as a person within mm-hmm. the hunting community mm-hmm. how we can work together um, cuz we're all you know i see so many um i see stuff on social media and i just shake my head that and I hate this, but some people are just so one-track mind. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it takes it takes all kinds to make the world go round. And just because I'm not uh and, and I'm just going to throw a deer hunter, I do deer hunt. Yes, we deer hunt for food. That's it. I don't trophy hunt. If one walks out in front of me, um, mm-hmm. hallelujah <laughs> i'll I'll take him, but we do it to fill the freezer. Mm-hmm. But we have to be together. We're in this together. We're in the, and I want to say the fight, but we are. Um, because a lot of our sports, especially in the hound community, uh, is on on the verge or the brink. And I, it's not, you know, like this second, but it's a dying sport. You know, our youth, which we are very passionate about taking hunting and getting outdoors. And, you know, I can go back to my childhood and... And say confidently that me being raised where I was at, there was nothing to do. I was either in the woods or on the. I lived on a creek. Like I was, I could walk out of off my property across the main road into the creek, like 150 yards from my front door. And if it wasn't for that, I don't know where my life would be. Like I don't know what trouble I would. It kept me out of troubles. What I'm saying, like. Like, I had the passion to be in the woods. That's where I wanted to be. That's where I wanted to spend my time. As I went through high school phase, <clears throat> you know, everybody goes through stuff. And, like, that was kind of my escape. I didn't go out and party and, and drink and carry on. That just wasn't who I was. And it shaped me a lot for who I am now. Mm-hmm. And you and I had talked about that a little bit. I yes. I just want—I just want—I want to talk about it. I want to talk about your perspective and how we, as hunters, of all species that we pursue, mm-hmm. can be more of a unity, togetherness than um, bickering with each other about X, Y, and Z.
0: Well, that's a that's a big topic. We could do the whole show on just that. For yes. and we could have a two or three hour <clears throat> episode. Um, but it's something that that I care deeply about. And there's a lot of parallels there. Excuse me, Heath. There's a lot of parallels to a lot of different areas. But as one person said one time, hunters are the most cannibalistic people out there. And what what I mean by that when I say it is, and we hear this a lot, is um, bow hunters don't like crossbow hunters. And rifle hunters don't like bow hunters. And bow hunters don't like shotgun hunters. And stand hunters don't like dog runners. And... and uh, Deer hunters can't stand coon hunters running at night on their property, and there's just all this infighting among themselves, and it becomes an elitist thing. <clears throat> Excuse me. You hear a lot where um, there's a friend of mine, right, and he's like, I'm a bow hunter. I don't, anybody can kill him with a rifle. I'm a, I'm a, uh, only a him with a bow. I'm like, well, good for you, right? Pete, I'm an equal opportunity killer. <laughs> it's in season, and uh then I'm gonna take it. I mean, I hunt with every legal weapon, and one of my goals—I haven't done it yet—and and I keep saying I'm gonna do it every year, but I haven't—is I want to kill here in Cyclone. I can kill four bucks and eight does in 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 a year, right? I want to kill a deer in the same season with every legal weapon. You know, that would be for up for us across a, a a vertical bow, a crossbow, muzzleloader, rifle, pistol, shotgun. Oh wow! Right, so. I want to do that in the same season. I've done it, but I haven't done it in the same season. And that's a goal. You know, buck or doe, I don't care which one. Just, But you got to commit to one of them until you get that one off uh-huh. the list, right? I've done three of the five, and I've done four of the five before, or six. There's six now since I had a crossbow to it. But, uh, um, but I haven't done all of them in the same season. So I think well, I'm going to make a commitment one year and just go and just – first one comes out, boom, dead. Go get another weapon. That evening, change weapons or whatever you have to do. But – uh I'm all about that. Uh, as Ralph taught me, if it's legal in your state, country, or province, and you want to do it, go do it. I fully support that. As we talked about when, I was on, uh, when you were on my show, I don't, I've never had an opportunity to hound hunt for bear, but it's legal. I would absolutely go do it if I had an opportunity because how can I condemn something I know nothing about? Mm-hmm. You know, a guest on my show who's actually a baseball coach at University of South Carolina said one time, um, he said we, we uh, what's the word he used? Um, we, it's not complain about, but we criticize. We criticize things we don't understand. It's easy. And I thought, wow, what a great statement. We criticize things we don't understand. And I don't understand running deer with dogs. Um, I mean, I know I, I understand the process, but I don't understand the addiction. Right. Mm-hmm. But I'm not, I don't have, do, I don't have dog. I understand it's all about the dogs, mm-hmm. not about the killing the deer. I understand that in the low country of South Carolina, where the palmettos are are chest high, that you're not going to see deer if you try to stand hunt. Mm-hmm. You ha- So they have to push them out of those thick swamps in order to, in order to get them. It's the same limits <clears> apply. <throat> the same rules apply. They're just using the dogs to push it by. Um, I've tried that once. It was, and, and it wasn't a great experience because, I didn't see a whole lot, right? But it uh-huh. just I just sat there and heard dogs barking and slapped mosquitoes for hours. But but that doesn't mean that that it was a it's like I've been on bad dates too, right? Yeah. Yeah, you know, it doesn't mean I quit dating. Right. Yeah. You know? Um so I'm I'm not gonna condemn anybody who wants to hunt any species as long as it's legal in their state, country, or province. Um there's a lot and and I've said this before too, I don't understand single species hunters. I don't understand these guys who say, I only hunt deer. I only hunt big deer in the Midwest. That's that's all that. Man, what are you missing? Man, you are missing so much if you only hunt deer and you're condemning somebody who wants to chase turkeys or you're condemning somebody who goes out west to hunts mule deer or I only hunt elk. Well, that's a short season and you're missing a whole lot of the year because there's so many other things. Uh Uh, I'm trying to think right now. I have not bear hunted. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um. And I haven't snow goose hunted, or uh, there's a, there's several waterfowl species that I haven't hunted yet. Um, and I'm going for antelope this this fall, antelope mule deer this fall in Wyoming. If I draw my tag, fingers crossed. I got seven points, Wyoming. If you're listening, draw my number, please. Draw my number, please. Uh, but uh, other than some of the uh, some of the really outlandish species, most of the ones that are available to the average hunter, I I have gone after, and I love every bit of. I love chasing grouse in Wisconsin, and woodcock there and at home. I love bobwhite quail hunting. I love hearing beagles chase rabbits. I really enjoy that, um, and I just wish hunters would support one another. Just because it may not be for you, doesn't mean that it's wrong, right? There's a there's a saying, Heath, that says just because it's different doesn't mean it's wrong, right? Now there are some things that are just wrong,
1: mm-hmm.
0: okay, and we we don't want to open that can of worms. Obviously, in the hunting world, that would be yeah. you know poaching or baiting illegal hunting at night, mm-hmm. uh, all these kind of things. But um, or shooting animals out of season or without tags and all that kind of stuff, which we hear happens all the time. But you may not enjoy it, but that doesn't mean that it that the guy who does or gal that does enjoy it is doing something this wrong or unethical, right? You know. Um, I'm 59 years old. I get cortisone shots in both shoulders twice a year. I still hunt with my bow, a long bow, compound bow. I have a crossbow. I've never killed anything with it. But um, if it will get me out there, why do I care what you use? If it will get you out there so you can enjoy nature and enjoy the, 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 the lifestyle that we call hunting, why do you care what somebody uses? Yeah
1: and what I've heard from what you just said is I'm sitting here thinking like it's the love for the outdoors.
0: It doesn't matter what you're doing.
1: Right. And, you know, I think about opportunities like where I'm at, I have a a lot of different opportunities. You know, I can, I can deer hunt, you know, I can bear hunt. I can, you know, squirrel hunt, deer, turkey hunt, bobcat. I I can do a lot of different things if I choose to. Mm -hmm. Um, Bear hunting consumes a lot of my time because of the dogs. The dog training, and you know that's what people don't see is the amount of time that goes into the dogs itself, not not the hunting part. It's the upkeep, the maintenance, getting those dogs trained to be able to to track, trail, tree, catch, bay those the, that game. Um, mm-hmm. So my deer hunting is limited. Like I said, I hunt I hunt for food. Um, now turkey hunting's a little different. I spend a little more time with that because that's something that I'm passionate. I love it. Like, mm-hmm. I love it. Um, yeah. Which leads uh, me to that next conversation we had, and we didn't finish it because we wanted to save it for this. Mm-hmm. Is you had um, listened or seen a video or listened to somebody talk about how we, um, when we have a conflict with another hunter. Mm-hmm. Like, so for bear hunters, a lot of times when the muzzle loading season's in, um, deer season usually out the first two weeks of bear season, of, of ta- kill season, of um, where you can harvest, and then late loading season come in. And I have been, uh, I have been subject to several bear being killed in front of my dogs with people that were not with me, not hunting with me, had nothing to do with me or my hounds. Um, in fact, I'll tell a quick story, and like I said, I'm not going to put names out there. But uh, back when we had the old telemetry, not the GPSs, but the oh, telemetry, cool. beep, yep, beep, the beep, beep beeps, beep. yep, um, our dogs had crossed out of a section, crossed a, an old road, an, an old road, and went into an, a big section of um, timber forest, and it took us a while to find them and we finally got up on this high point we could hear the dogs treed but it was a lot of little rolling ridges in there so it took us a while to get to them and they were when we every time we top up on a knoll we could hear them treed and then we go through the hollows and the valleys and pop back up well as we got closer the tree was less and less and now this is hours this is not 10 15 20 30 minutes this was a couple of hours doing this of finding them to start with locating them Actually, pinpointing where they were at, and then trying to get to them. Well, when we got in there, the dogs had shut up. I'm like, "What? I'm like, you know, what's going on here?" So we were tracking, and the dogs were up, up, going up a holler away from us. They're not barking. I'm like, "What? You know, what is going on here?" Well, as we and it's, there's snow on too. Okay, so when okay. we got into the holler where they were at, we found the tree that they were treating. And at the bottom of the tree, there's a big pool of blood. And then we see drag marks. And we see the dog prints following the drag marks. So we know what's happened. Somebody shot a bear and is dragging it out, and the three or four dogs that we had at that time were following it out. So we start hoofing it up behind those drag marks. And up the holler, over the next ridge, into the next holler, we end up catching up with the the individuals that, that done this. And when we topped up, they were taking sticks and whipping our dogs away from the bear. Mm. And I will tell you, um, that was not a good encounter.
0: <laughs> I can only imagine.
1: It was not. Um, yeah. You, that, don't be, you don't whip my dogs, number one. Yes. Um, so that's something that most bear hunters, are, I, I, we, didn't, we wouldn't have cared who killed it. If they'd have just waited till we got there and let us tie our dogs back, which didn't happen right. either. And when you shoot a bear out of the tree, there's always that chance that that bear will fall on the dogs if they're not out of the way. And then, you, yeah. you know, you kill a $5,000 dog, like, that's irreplaceable. But anyway, you and I had talked about that a little bit. What are some experiences or some advice or what are some things we can do that we don't have that interaction
0: well, you're, I think if you hunt public ground, you're, it's, it's inevitable that you're going to have an interaction. Mm-hmm. Um, it's you know we all have stories who hunt public ground, and I hunt a lot of public ground. I also have private land that I hunt here at home, but when I travel, I hunt public land. And you know, there's been many times I'm working a turkey, and then all of a sudden you hear somebody who's a really bad caller kind of get between you and the turkey, and they start calling or they start you know hooting at it or whatever, trying to get between you and the turkey and and there's in my and i am not i want to preface this i am not an expert on on confrontation of other hunters because here's a couple things that i've learned about that is first of all they're they're armed Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you know that right and if they're going to do that if they're going to cut you off or go kill your animal in front of you then you already know that that they're not very um polite courteous kind of person so do you, want a, do you want a confrontation? Is it worth getting into a gunfight over a turkey or a deer or a bear? Uh, that's the first thing you have to ask yourself. And only, only you can answer that question, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for me, the answer is always going to be no. Uh, there's always another turkey. There's always another deer. There's always another bear. I'm not going to get into a gunfight with some jerk who decided to cut me off and, and kill my animal or, or, uh, or do that. There's some basic etiquette that uh, I was actually talking to my son about this recently there's some basic etiquette that I think needs to happen and that is this um if you are hunting public land and there's like a general parking area you know and like me I hunt a lot of forest land right you can't block the gates but mm-hmm. you can park beside the gate you know first you know it's a first come first search if i if if I go to my number one spot and there's already a truck there I'm gonna keep driving and go some because I don't know where he's sitting that's right Especially in turkey season, because there's no orange, you're sitting on the ground, and I don't want to get shot or shoot somebody accidentally. So I'm gonna go that's why I have eight or ten spots. That's why I scout a bunch of different locations. When I go to the next spot, if there's a truck there, I keep on going. And I expect the same uh, courtesy that if I get there first and my truck's there and I'll go ahead and head in early, I don't expect to right at daylight, and it happens every year, two or three times, right at daylight, here comes somebody whoofing it right past your setup. You know, you've already heard him gobble on the limb. He's getting ready to fly down. You're just, and here comes some jackleg with his light on, beating it in there too late. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? And, you know, I've confronted people like that. I've said, hey, hey you know, I just get up and walk to him. And say, dude, I'm already here. I got a turkey. I'm working. Can you go somewhere else? You know, and I do it in a very polite way. Oh, I didn't know where you were. So, you know, and almost every time they've done that. Uh, here's a funny thing. On my private land, a few years ago, I had my, at the time, 10-year-old son with me, and we already, we'd already had our pop-up blind set up, but it was raining. So instead of walking to it, we were going to drive about halfway, driving on my land. Okay? On my land. I want you to hear that. It's not leased. It's owned. On my land. There's these two hunters walking up our road. This is right at daylight. And uh, he walks up beside me and says, man, what the heck? Using profanities, I'm not going to do it. You know What the heck are you doing? I'm like, I think that question needs to go the other way. What are you doing? He said, I'm in here trying to hunt turkeys. I'm trying to get one to gobble. You are driving through here. I said, do you have permission to be here? He said, yeah. I said, well, who gave it to you? Cause, uh, and he just sat there. I said, this is my land, and I didn't give you permission to be here. So we got two things can happen here. I can call the game warden and we can ruin both of our hunts today. Or you can get in your truck that I've already passed up there. You can get in your truck and you can leave and never step back here again. But I've already got your license tag off your truck. And now I know what you look like. This was before camera phones. Um So uh, you just need to leave. And he flew off at me and he was trespassing on my property. Open the day of turkey season. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, I do think that you should always take the high road and you should be polite and courteous. Um, But I also found that um, sometimes people are lost. Sometimes they're confused. They really are. I mean, it does Mm -hmm. happen a lot. People, woodsmanship and orientation has been gone for a long time, Heath. So a lot of times when you run into somebody, especially up here in the mountains where I live in South Carolina, we're we're all walking either – hiking trails or old logging roads to get to where you want to go. And when you're getting there in the dark, you meant to turn left and you end up passing that without seeing it. And you're, and you're trying to find it and you got to wait for it to get daylight. And they just, I'm sorry. I don't mean to mess you up. I'm trying to find this area. I thought, oh, that's the back down over there. So be, be helpful and courteous. But, uh, uh, that's that old saying though, treat people like you want to be treated. Yeah. If you're there first, you don't want to be interrupted. So if they're there first, don't interrupt them.
1: Yeah, and that was—I mean—that's a prime example. Last last turkey season, um, I I'm more—I hate hunting national forest more and more because of the accidents that happen. Like you said, you're on the ground. There's no orange. Um, some people are oblivious to whether it's a actual hen calling or a person. Um, but I went to three of my favorite spots, and at all three spots, one the first spot I went to. There was five vehicles, five, and I'm like, do they know where each other is at? So, I went to another spot and there was another was a vehicle. So I drove on, I went to the last spot. I didn't even I didn't even hunt that day because yeah. every spot that I went was was taken up. But back to what the original what we were talking about is, it's being showing a little bit of respect. Um, it's being courteous and treating others like you want to be treated. Um, we're, like I said. Nobody owns public land. We all pay for it. Yeah. And, you know, I don't own a leaf on none of those trees. And I've got to, even though I may be aggravated or frustrated at times, I just got to go on and do something else. And there have been several times that I have passed up the spots that I normally hunt and went to a place that I never hunt and been very successful.
0: Yeah. Um It seems like one, it pays forward. one thing that I've been running into more since COVID <clears throat> is hikers, mm-hmm. not not other hunters, but but people who are uh, case in point. Last year, I went to one of my favorite turkey spots on public land here in, in the Upstate of South Carolina. Got there early because it's about a an hour and a half walk uh, to get to where I want to be, mostly uphill. You know how the mountains are. And uphill both walking ways. Old, Walking, <laughs> walking old logging roads. Yeah, and I finally get up there and I sit down. I always hear two or three turkeys in there. Just got to figure out where to go. It's a big chunk of of national forest land, and I didn't hear anything. You know, sometimes turkeys just don't gobble right. So I'm, I I work a little bit when probably to about ten o'clock, and I start going back down the mountain, and I pass eleven women hiking.
1: Oh,
0: yeah, on on the road. The, not on the trail on the yeah. logging road, and I get down to my truck, and there's six Subaru outbacks where they all met yeah. and I just thought it was funny it was all the same car That's, <laughs> I just thought that was funny yeah, so, and I was actually thinking about it, should I put a sign in my thing in my thing saying there's a hunter here so that they know there's somebody with a gun mm. not that I'm, I'm obviously not going to hurt them, but right, right right it may change the direction that they're going or approaching, or maybe they were there to disturb turkey hunters. I don't know. I just said, Hello, ladies, how are you? Because they were single file, and uh-huh. they didn't, they just said good morning and just kept on their little walk. And um, it was, I'm finding more that I'm running into people that are hiking or sightseeing mm-hmm. as much as I'm walking into other hunters. Because in South Carolina, public land is public land, right? They can use it for anything, same, um, yeah. Uh so I just think you know it's it's just shared. you know you find a a lot more accommodations when I hunt out west public land uh-huh. uh I was elk hunting in Colorado a few years ago, and I went to this little spot. There was a guy sitting there, and I walked up i said hey uh, how you doing And we just introduced ourselves and and uh he said i've been I've been seeing elk down here every morning, but i hadn't seen him today, but they've been here the the last five mornings." And that's great. I hope you get him. He said, "Well, I gotta go home tomorrow. So if you want to, you know, this is a good spot." And I said, "Well, man, I don't want." Or he had to go home in two days. He's. I said, "Well, why don't you come back here tomorrow?" You know. And he was like, "No, man. Man, if you beat me here, it's public land. Go kill him." I said, "I'm not going to beat you here because you found the spot first right. and you've been here for five days. So I'm not going to take you. spot." I did go back after that, and I didn't see him. Um, I did see some really nice mule deer, but uh, it 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 seems out there. People are more used to it because it's bigger, bigger blocks. You can, mm-hmm. the, you can get the away. Public, <laughs> the public land in the West can swallow up people pretty fast. Yeah, you, know, you can really spread out. Uh, here in the Upstate of South Carolina, it's it's a bunch of little blocks. You know, mm-hmm. and so it's uh, it can, it can be a little crowded. But, yeah. Uh, but you know, I I think when you encounter people, is to try to take the high road. Remember that they're armed. You don't know what kind of attitude <laughs> they're in um so be be polite be be courteous and if in if in doubt back out would be my suggestion yeah it's just not worth it in my opinion yeah you know, it's not worth getting into a fight over a turkey or a deer or whatever mm-hmm. um, just there's go somewhere else
1: right yep no i'm i uh, yeah i mean i it seems like that the confrontations um kind of go in spurts. You know, several years without them, and then you'll have a year where it's one or two, and you know, and we're talking about national force for us in Virginia, um, public land like what you're saying. Um But yeah, just be courteous and and try right. to, you know, like I said, one of our uh, podcast uh, Calvin Redhouse was like, you know, you may beat me here today, but tomorrow I'm gonna be in here earlier
0: <laughs> for us. Oh, uh, there's. <laughs> I can tell you, opening day at my number one spot up here, I will probably be parked at three thirty in the morning. Yep. Yeah, uh, and I and I may take me a nap in my truck, but my truck's going to be there <laughs> first. Yeah. And I I may even I've done this a lot too, Heath, where I just go ahead and walk into my spot you know, I I like to use turkey chairs. Mm-hmm. I walk into my spot, I sit down, and I just take a nap until the, until the turkeys wake me up. That's right. Yeah. You know? Perfect. <laughs> I do. Yeah. But I do. Uh, but I'm going to be there. For, I probably I will probably be parked at 3:30. Yeah. In the morning.
1: So Pete, with the last five or ten minutes, let's just talk about um, you know the Christian part of your podcast and okay. your faith, and you know I know right. we talked about mine last time. Let's just let's roll it over to yours this time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, you know the as I said earlier, when I did Christian outdoors, the two things I'm most passionate about is the outdoors and my faith in Christ and it's something that i just love to talk about and enjoy sharing uh we could do this for hours as well but uh when i started christian outdoors it started with the enjoying god every day is is it's, you'll see that under on my logo under that it says enjoying god every day and and that came from um, being a theologian somewhat uh i like to read theology and i was reading the westminster shorter catechism which was written by the presbyterian church in the 1620s and it's a way to, to teach people about God, Christ, the Church, everything else. And question one in that is, what's the chief end of mankind? Which, in today's language, is what's the what's the meaning of life? Why are we here? What's the purpose of humanity? And the answer is, the chief end of mankind is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. And when I read that, he it it dawned on me and to enjoy him forever. And I thought, does that mean after we die and we get in heaven, then we can enjoy God or should we be enjoying God now? And I realized that I think it means we should start now enjoying God. And I said, well, how? And so it started me on a journey of trying to enjoy God every single day, like intentionally, not just acknowledging God not just seeing his his beautiful creation not just enjoying the sunrise or the sunset or enjoying the beautiful flowers or you know not not what he does but enjoying him in an intimate personal way and so I started on this process of beginning every day it started in 2014 asked myself Pete how are you going to enjoy God today and granted there's some days it's harder because there's a lot going on Uh, you're going to a funeral you're going you know these things are happening so how do we do that and so that is one of the driving things behind my podcast is to encourage the listeners to to build relationship with God and to intentionally try to enjoy Him every day. And so out of this came my book called, Do You Enjoy God? 12 Steps to Enjoying God Every Day. And it's a step-by-step process, not in order necessarily, Step step one is, is the most important. You can't enjoy God without a relationship. You got to have a relationship with Him if you're going to enjoy Him. It's just like you're your your children, your friends, your spouse, whatever, you can't really enjoy them in their fullest unless you have a, an intimate relationship with them and understand who they are. So it starts with that, but it and and we talk about a lot of different things in that in that book like uh, uh discovering your gifts, you know, what did God bless me with and how can I use them? What does it mean to be made in the image of God? Uh and a lot of different topics, but it's It's important to me that I try to convey in my podcast and in my speaking events that you are worthy of God's love. Well, let me rephrase that none of us are worthy of everything he's done for us, but in God's eyes God sees you as as worth something that He sent his Son down so that to to give you hope and to give you everlasting life and by accepting relationship with with Jesus Christ, then your life can be more valuable and more and more. Um, uh, what's where I'm looking for? It can just be more full. It can be more full, and it's like I've said many times. You know, when we when we talk about this relationship with God, I think for for most believers, and even those that are on the fringe, they acknowledge God. A lot of people may not have a relationship with Christ, but they acknowledge a higher being, right? Mm-hmm. So they acknowledge God. They recognize what God's done. They they see some of the good that, that, that God does in the world. They tolerate God from time to time, but do they enjoy him? And do they enjoy him in an intimate way? And that's something that's important to me, that I encourage people to, to try to enjoy God and the blessings that he gives us and to recognize all of them. Every day is a gift. Every single day that we wake up is a gift. And how can I use that to benefit those around me to make their day better, to make their life better. Because I have seen this, Heath, when I focus more on enjoying God, my trouble seems small. When my, when I'm intentional about being a blessing to other people, then what I'm going through is irrelevant because my focus is not on me. It's on you. It's on them. It's on him. And when I can do that, then it makes my life so much better. So, um, you know, all of us can improve our relationship with Christ. There's a, there, there, I fell short every day. Paul tells us in the book of Romans that I am the, as Paul says, I'm the worst sinner of all. I fall short all the time, and I do. And I pray for God's forgiveness and for God's grace to, to cover that. Um, but the good thing is, the good news is, is that I don't care what you've done. It's not bad enough. I don't care where you are. There's always a way home. That, that, that everything that Christ has done, he, he has done it for you and that he wants you to have that relationship with him. He wants you to have the assurance that, um, that, that you can spend eternity with him and that you can enjoy him now, even before then.
1: Yeah. I would say that most people probably do, don't, well, I'm not going to say most because I don't think that's a fair analogy, but I mean, every day's a blessing. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got some close friends that um, have got cancer mm-hmm. that, you know, scares us to death, um, family member, and, you know, every day
0: is a blessing, and we should mm-hmm. treat it that way. mm uh-huh. Absolutely. And, you know, when I do this a lot of times and then people will say things like, well, then why does this happen? Why do why do our children get sick? Why do people that we love have cancer and die? Why do why do only the good die young? And, you know, I say to them first about that last part, why do only the good die young? Is it? Well, the bad people die young, too. We just don't care. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. It just feels like that only the good ones die young because we love them and care about them the people we don't care about, we don't care when they die. And that's a horrible thing to say, but I think I'm just being blunt and honest with it, mm-hmm. right? But we live in a sinful world, right? I mean, we are bent to sinning. There's that old hymn, Lord, forgive my bent to sinning. We are we are inclined to to do things wrong. John Calvin said, one of the greatest theologians of all time said, I sin because I enjoy it, and the more I enjoy it, the more I sin. And the more I sin, the more I enjoy it. And that's why we have to resist the temptation. You know, Paul tells us, "Don't let the devil get a foothold in your life." That we have to fight against all that temptation to to do exactly what God does not want for us. But if we can focus on Him, then all those things they really do. And 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 I'm not trying to to you know, sell elixir here. I'm being honest. I have lived through, I've gone through some really dark times in my life. Uh, my wife and I lost a, lost a child when he was three months old. I've gone through some really dark times in my life and some very difficult times. Uh, but what I've seen is that when I focus on God, I know that he is there with me. When I, when I put my trust in him, I see that he is the reason that I am where I am. As, as one person said one day, he said, Pete, when you're going through it, it's hard to see where God is. Mm-hmm. But it's easy to look back and see where God was. And there's so much truth in that is that we, we overcome so much more than we think we can. I mean, I've been homeless. I've been unemployed. I've had children die. I've had, you know, parents die way too young. I've, I've, I've had a lot of crap happen to me just like most people out there, right? Just because I believe in Christ and put my full trust in him doesn't mean that I'm exempt from heartache because that is far from true. Mm-hmm. But what I, what I am exempt from is having to deal with it alone. What I am exempt from is the suffering and the, and, the, and the intense pain, knowing that there's someone there who is crying with me and loving me and helping me get through it and assuring me that, that better days are ahead and the blessings of God just continue to. I'm, I'm, I'm blown away every day, Heath, when I see more and more of what God is doing. As we said in the beginning, I started this podcast in 2019 with absolutely no clue. I didn't know if I, if I was going to have one listener or 10, right? Mm-hmm. And we muddled along and muddled along and kept doing it and kept being faithful and kept trusting and kept being faithful. And God started blessing it. He started blessing that. And we're going to hit a million subscribers next month. Think about that. Mm-hmm. That's overwhelming to pete by the way. Right? Yeah. That's very overwhelming to think that I have to make sure that that I'm accurate and and, and precise and that I, I share the good news in a way that can invite people into relationship. But that doesn't mean that it's a million listeners every week. Right. But it means that, that at least a million people have heard what we're saying. And that there and, and, and that number, once it hits a certain level, you'll see this with, with yours. Once it, it just starts exploding in growth. Mm-hmm. Exploding. This time last year we had two hundred thousand. Nice. So we've added 800, 867,000 people in a year. That's phenomenal. And it's just, yeah, it is. It, it blows my mind, but it just shows the bigness of God and, yeah. and, and, and how he is continuing to bless it. Yeah. yeah. Well, Pete. <coughs> One more thing yep. before I go. Yep. Uh, March 4th and 5th, if you're going to be at the Dixie Deer Classic in Raleigh, North Carolina, mm-hmm. I'm speaking at Red Oak Baptist Church, which is right outside Raleigh, March 4th, at their Wild Game Banquet, and I'm also speaking Sunday morning at their church. So if you're in the area of Raleigh, North Carolina, March 4th and 5th, um, come out to Red Oak Baptist Church. I'd love to meet you, shake your hand, uh, and get a chance to talk with you. And and I'll be speaking there on Saturday night at their Wild Game Banquet and Sunday morning.
1: Yeah, I'll stop by and see Pete. Well, Pete, like I said, I, I appreciate you coming on and and telling us a little bit about your journey. You know, that's what our podcast is called, The Journey. and. You know, this comes to full circle that, you know, we're all in this together. Um, no matter what you do, hunting-wise, what game species you pursue, that we're all in it together. We all have a passion for what we do. And, um, you know, I'll kind of take that verse, you know, do unto others as other, you want others to do unto you. And, mm-hmm. like, I, I have to do better at that myself. That's something that I have to work on. Um, but it, I, I have, I'm blessed that, that, that you, we have crossed paths and, you know, been able to talk and, um, run into each other. And I feel like that's going to continue. Yeah. Hope so. Yeah. Hope so. You're going to come up and bear hunt and now you got to remind fish. me, man,
0: cause you know how it is fall season I and mean, I'm, I'm in the road a lot. If, yeah. uh, if if I don't get drawn from my antelope tag, I'll be in Wisconsin chasing grouse in October, and then mm-hmm. I'll, um, in November I'll, I'm usually either, either in Kentucky or here in South Carolina or Tennessee hunting. And but yeah, I think you said it's December. December. Yep. Yep. December. And you can muskie
1: fish after turkey season.
0: So we're, send me the send me the dates of when your bear season is, and I'll go ahead and put it in my calendar so I don't cross it up. I'll do it. All right. But guys, if,
1: um, if you enjoy what you're listening to and you want to hear more of our podcast, you know, do us a favor, listen to it, send it to a friend, pass it on and get them learning or listening to stuff that they're passionate about. Um, like I said, especially us here at Houndsman XP, um, we want you to pay it forward or pass it forward. And I'm sure Pete feels the same way. So, Pete, Absolutely. with every at the end of every podcast, we thank it. Um, thank you for helping us teach, train, or learn. Um, thank you for l- l- helping us learn about your journey and what you're passionate about.
0: Mm-hmm. Thanks for having me, man.
1: Absolutely.